0: Ihya Ulamad by Imam Ghazali Volume 3, Chapter 4, Harms of the Tongue Know, O oh dear readers, that tongue is a great asset of man and a wonder out of the wonderful creations of God. Though it is insignificant, its power is unlimited. Its virtues are great and infidelity and faith do not find expression express except through the tongue. It is the last limit of sins and virtues. Tongue can express what has been related and what has not been created. The creator and the created, the known and the unknown. The tongue explains what intellect brings in mind, whether truth or untruth. The tongue may be said to be an agent of the intellect. No other organ has got such power to express the mind. The sight of eye extends only to figures and colors and not any other thing. Ear has got a power over only sounds and not other things. The power of the tongue is, however, unlimited. It has got power over good and bad. The dangers of the tongue are useless talk, quarrels, disputes, rebukes, scoldings, harsh words, curse, false speaking, backbiting, self-praise, etc. We shall proceed to discuss them one by one. The Merits of Silence The dangers and harms of tongue are many and there is no rescue from them except being silent. For this reason, the Sharia recommends it. The Prophet said, He who keeps silent gets salvation. He also said, Silence is a rule and few people can observe it. The father of Sufyan asked the Prophet, O Prophet of God, give me such news about Islam which I shall ask nobody after you. The Prophet said, Say that I have believed and stand firmly on it. I asked him, what matter shall I fear the most? He hinted with his hand at the tongue. Oqva bin Omer said, I asked, O messenger of God, how can I get salvation? He said, hold your tongue, make your house spacious and repent for your sins. The Prophet said, if a man can give me guarantee of things placed between his two cheeks, Between his two thighs, I can give him guarantee of paradise. He said, he who is safe from the harms of his belly, his sexual organ and the tongue is safe from all troubles. For these reasons, the three organs, majority of the people are destroyed. The prophet was asked about the great virtue which admits one to paradise. He said, control of two hollow things, the mouth and the sexual organ. He meant tongue by the mouth. Muaz Ibn Jabal said, I asked, O Prophet of God, shall I, shall we be punished for what we say? He said, O Ibn Jabal, your mother be heavy with you. Will a man be overturned in hell over his nose except for the harms of his tongue? Abdullah Zakafi said, I asked, O Prophet of God, what matter do you fear for me? He caught his tongue and said this, Hazrat Muaz asked, O Prophet of God, what action is the best? The Prophet drew out his tongue and placed his finger on it and said, The faith of a man does not become all right until his mind does not become so, and his mind does not become all right till his tongue does not become so. He He from whose harm his neighbor is not safe will not enter paradise. The Prophet said, He who is pleased with Islam shall remain silent. And take to silence. He said, when a man rises from his bed, his limbs get up and rebuke his tongue. In other words, they say to his tongue, fear God regarding us, because when you are all right, we are all right. When you are wrong, we are wrong. Once, Umar ibn al-Khattab saw Abu Bakr drawing out his tongue and asked him, O Khalifa of the people, what are you doing? He said, it drags me to the place of destruction. The Prophet said, There is no such limb of the body which will not complain to God about the harsh treatment of the tongue. Ibn Mas'ud said that the Prophet had said, Major sins of a man accrue from his tongue. The Prophet said, God keeps the hidden things of a man secret who controls his tongue. God saves one who keeps his anger under control. God accepts the excesses of one who shows excuse to God. Hazrat Muaz asked the Prophet, O oh, Prophet of God, advise me. He said, worship in such a way that you could see God and consider you as one of the dead. I shall let you know a more important thing than this, if you like. He then hinted with his hand at the tongue. Safwan bin Sulaman was once asked by the Prophet, shall I not inform you about was once asked by the Prophet, Shall I not inform you about the easiest divine service and the most comfortable thing to the body? Silence and good conduct. The Prophet said, Let one who believes in God and the next world speak good or remain silent. The Prophet said, May God show mercy on one who acquires reward by talk and remains safe by keeping silent. Jesus Christ was once asked, Teach us something of virtue of which we can enter paradise. He said, Don't talk. They said, we shall not be able to do it. He said, then don't talk except good. Barra, bin Barra ibn Azib said, O Prophet of God, teach me such a thing by virtue of which I can enter paradise. He said, give food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, enjoin good and forbid evil. If you cannot do it, don't hold talk except for what is good. The Prophet said, save your tongues from talks except good. The prophet said, save your tongues from talks other than good. You can then defeat the devil. He said, God is near every utterance of a man, so let him take care of what he says. He said, when you see a believer keeping silent and grave, come to him as there is wisdom in him. The prophet said, men are divided into three classes, looters of war booties, talkers of useless things, and those who are safe. The looters of war booty." is one who makes zikr of God. A safe man is he who remains silent. A useless talker is one who holds unnecessary talk. The Prophet said the tongue of a believer keeps behind his tongue. The tongue of a hypocrite keeps in front of his mind. When he wishes to talk, he sends it through his tongue without any thinking. Jesus Christ said, there are ten portions of divine service, nine of which are in silence, and the remaining one is in loneliness. The Prophet said, he who talks much commits blunder, he who blunders much commits many sins, for one whose sins are great, hellfire is good. Umar bin Abdulaziz, Khalifa, said, he who remembers death much remains satisfied with little. He who counts his words in actions talks little. A wise man said, silence gives two benefits to man, safety of religion and knowing of friends. Hasan al-Basri said, Once many men, many people were talking in the assembly of Khalif Muawiyah. The saint Ahna bin Qais only remained silent. He said to him, O oh Abu Bakr, what is the matter with you? Why are you not talking? He said, if I talk... Lie, I fear God. If I tell the truth, I fear you. Sage Mansur bin Malaz used not to talk after Isha prayers for 40 years. Four kinds of talks. One kind of talk is always beneficial. Number two, one kind of talk is always harmful. Number three, one kind of talk is mixed with harm and benefit. Number four, one kind of talk has got no harm and no benefit. So to talk which is harmful, it is essentially necessary to remain silent therefrom. So as to the talk which is mixed with harm of benefit, it is necessary to remain silent therefrom. The talk which has got no benefit and harm is useless. Three-fourths of the talks of the fourth kind are useless except the remaining one, fourth. There is fault in this one, fourth. Also, as it can be not distinguished whether There is, therein, any secret, show, backbiting, or excessive talk. The Prophet said, he who remains silent gets salvation. Number 1. Unnecessary talk The 20 harms of the tongue. Number 1. Unnecessary talk The best condition is to save the tongue from backbiting, falsehood, show, quarrels, disputes. There are such words therein which are not beneficial and which do, do harm to others. If you hold useless talks, you lose time and you shall have to render account for useless talks. If you are engaged in thoughts about God by giving up useless talks, God's inspiration may suddenly come into your soul. If you read tasbih, Tahleel, and other invocations in lieu of useless talks, it is better for you. If a man remains busy in lawful things after giving up zikr of God, it does not do him any benefit. Because even though he does not commit sins, he is in loss as he loses the merits of the zikr of God. The silence of a believer is good thought, the sight of a believer is a sermon, and the talk of a believer are nothing but remembrance of God. This is the basis of man's wealth. If he spends his words without necessity and does not acquire virtues of the next world, he spoils the basis of wealth. The adornment of Islam of a man is to give up what does not do any benefit to him. Another hadith of more harsh nature has come in this connection. Anas reported, a young man was martyred in the battle of Uhud. We found then on his belly stones tied up. It seemed that he had stones for preventing hunger. His mother was saying, oh darling, you have entered paradise with a cheerful mind. Then the Prophet said, who will inform you whether he used to hold useless talks or was miserly regarding the matter which he did not do any harm to him? It means that on account of such small matters will also be taken in the next world. There is another hadith that the Prophet went once to see Kaab who was in his sick bed. His mother said to said when he expired, O Kab, there is paradise for you. The Prophet said, Who will inform you whether Kab uttered such words of which he had no necessity and was miserly with such a thing which was not necessary for him? The Prophet once said, The man who will come now by the door is an inmate of paradise. Then it was seen that he was Abdullah bin Salam. The companions gave him the good news and asked him, What good works have you got? for which you have gained this rank. He said, I am very weak. I pray to God for sound soul and for giving up what is not necessary for me. Abu Zar said, The prophet once said to me, Shall I not give you a clue to you, such an action which is light for the body, but heavy in the balance? He said, Yes, O prophet of God. He said, Silence, good conduct, and giving up unnecessary things. Ibn Abbas said, To me, five things are dearer than saving money. Number one, I give up such talks which is of no use to me as it, do, as it is unnecessary and I am safe from the fear of its sins. Number two, I don't utter such words as it is not useful to me until I find a suitable place for it as there is harm in many use, useful talks if they fall in improper places. Number three, I don't argue with man who is patient. And with the fool, because if I argue with the patient man, it incites him to be angry. If I argue with the fool, he gives me trouble. Number four, as I like that my friend will speak of me in my absence, so I like that I shall speak of him when he remains absent from me. As I like that my friend should forgive me, so I like that I should treat him well with him. Number five, I should do an action like the action of the man who knows that he will get the rewards of good deeds and punishment for the sins. Luqman was once asked, what is your wisdom? He said, I don't ask what I know and I don't utter what does not do me any benefit. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, don't dispute about what is unnecessary. Keep your enemy distant from you and be careful of all people except faithful friends. Without the fear of God, nobody can become a faithful friend. Don't keep the company with the sinners as there is fear that you may commit sins. Let them not inquire about your secrets. Consult with God-fearing people in all your affairs. Useful talks are such talks which, if uttered, do not cause any benefit, do not do any harm in this world and in the next. There are three reasons for not holding useful talks. Number one, to be eager to know of which there is no necessity. Number two, to enjoy talk with one with the objective of loving him. Number three, to parse time with useful talks. The remedies of these three things are as follows. The remedies are based on knowledge and action. It must be understood that death is standing in front and that every word occurred will be accounted for, every breath is a valuable asset. This is the medicine based on knowledge. The remedy based on action is to adopt silence. The second harm of the tongue is excessive talk. This means to utter such words that are of no use and to hold such talks that are of no use. Necessary talks can be held in short. If one sentence is sufficient, second sentence is unnecessary though it has got no sin. Sage Atta said, your predecessors used to hate too much talks. They used to consider talks as superfluous, except talks on the Quran, the Sunnah of the Prophet, enjoining good, forbidding evil, and necessary talks for earning livelihood. The Quran said, there is careful guard of what he utters. 50.18 There is no limit of superfluous talks. But there is no good in most of their secret talks except in the talk of one who enjoins charity or good deeds to make promise between men. The Prophet said, His is blessed who restrains his tongue from superfluous talks and spends out of his excess wealth. Hazrat Hassan Basri said, He who talks much talks much falsehood. The sins of one who has got enormous wealth are great. He who, whose conduct is bad punishes his soul. Once a man came to the prophet and praised him much. The prophet said, there is nothing between them which can prevent your words. He said, nothing worse has been given to man than long talk. Ibrahim said, two conducts destroy a man enormous wealth and too much talks. Number three, the third harm of the tongue. This is useless talks in untrue matters and to spend talks in actions of sins. For instance, to state the beauties of women, to tell about the assembly of drinking wine, to praise the sinners, to discuss the, some sorts of the rich, to narrate the oppression of kings and rulers. These are all unlawful talks. To hold unnecessary talks and to talk much about necessary things should be given up, though they are not unlawful. So, don't hold talks except on good of this world and the next. The prophet said, A man may hold such God-pleasing talk, the result of which may not be known to him, but God writes his pleasure, therefore, up to the day of judgment. A man can hold such talks, to displease God of which the result may not be known to him, but his displeasure therefore may be written for him up to the day of judgment. The prophet said, If a man utters such a word which excites laughter of the people of an assembly, and he throws himself thereby to such distances as that of the pole star, he also said, The man who holds useless talks about sins for most part of the time will be a great sinner up to the day of judgment. It is supported by the following verse. We used to hold useless talks with the talkers. God then revealed, don't mix with them till they hold other talks or else you will be like them. Number two, another harm of the tongue is quarrels, which is unlawful and disputes. The Prophet said, don't quarrel with your brother, don't, but jokes with him and don't break promises with him. He said, give up protest as you will understand its con- consequence and you will not be safe from its danger. He, will, he who keeps away from disputing a false thing will have a palace built for him in the middle of paradise. He who keeps away from disputing a false thing will have a palace built from him on the day of par- on, in the middle of paradise. The prophet said, the first thing which my Lord promised me and the first thing which he prohibited me is idol worship and to dispute with people after drinking wine. He also said, God does not misguide a people after they have been guided except for quarrels and disputes. He said, the faith of one not known does not give up dispute knowing his Opinion as true, he said, The faith of a man is known who has got in him six qualities to fast in summer. Number one, number two, to strike with the sword the enemies of God, number three, to pray in haste in days of temptation, number four, to bear patience in dangers and difficulties, number five, to complete abolition even against will. Number six, to give up quarrel knowing it to be true. Zubair said once to his son, don't dispute with the people about the Quran as you will not be able to make them understand. Hold fast to the ways of the Prophet. Khalifa Omar bin Abdulaziz said, he who presents his religion with the objective of making quarrels changes his opinion most. A certain wise man said, God does not misguide a people after guidance except for quarrels and disputes. Imam Malik said, To dispute about religious matters does not appertain to religion. He said, Dispute makes heart hard and generates hatred. Luqman said to his son, Don't dispute with the learned. If there is a dispute with anybody, it is compensated by two prayers, two rak'ah prayers. Omar bin Bin al-Khattab said, Don't acquire knowledge for three objectives. One, to dispute by learning. Two, to take pride by learning. Three, to show learning to the people. Don't give up learning for three reasons. Number one, to feel shame to acquire learning. Number two, to get leisure from renunciation of the world. And number three, to remain satisfied with ignorance. Jesus Christ said, the beauty of one goes away who speaks much falsehood. The gentle manners of one goes away who disputes with the people. He whose thoughts are, main, are many is attacked with illness. He whose conduct is bad punishes his own soul. Number five, disputes about wealth and properties. Another harm of the tongue is disputes about properties. The prophet said, the greatest object of hatred to God is he who holds greatest disputes about properties. He said, who disputes about properties with another, out of ignorance, remains always in the displeasure of God till he becomes silent. A certain wise man said, don't dispute about properties as it destroys religion. It is true that it is lawful to give one's proof of one's right to properties and to give up their exaggeration. It is also pardonable to hold the tongue in the middle path in disputes about properties. Dispute straightens the breast and arouses anger. It is better to use sweet words in dispute and not to use harsh words. The Prophet said, Sweet words and feeding will give you peace in paradise God says, speak, speak sweet words with the people. God says, If you are entertained with salam, return it with better salutation than it or like it. The Prophet said, There are rooms in paradise whose inner sides are seen from their outer sides, and the outer sides are seen from their inner sides. God re- prepared them for those people who give food and are humble in talks. The Prophet said, Sweet words in is a charity, even a seed. Keep the hell at a distance by giving in charity even a seed of grape. If you are unable, then keep a distant by sweet words. Number six, to make ornamentation in talks. Another harm of the tongue is to make ornamentation in talks, to disclose oratory and to give lectures with ornamental words. The Prophet said, I and my God fearing men amongst my followers are free from artificiality. He said, Of all people amongst, of all the persons among you, the object of greatest wrath to me and the most distant from my assembly is he who holds useless talks, makes ornamentation in talks, and adopts artificiality. The Prophet said, Those who grow, eating various delicious foods, put on various dresses, eat various delicious dishes, and talk with ornamental words are the worst among my followers. He said, be aware those who make exaggeration in talks are ruined. He recited it thrice. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, eloquent in talks is attended with eloquence of the devil. Number 7. Obscene and bad talks These talks are prohibited. Some of these talks are impurities. The Prophet said, give up obscene talks, as God does not love obscene and excessive talks. The Prophet prohibited to rebuke the unbelievers who were killed in the battle of Badr. He said, don't rebuke those dead unbelievers, as these do not reach them, but it gives trouble to those who are alive. Be aware, bad talks are object of hatred. He said, those who are prone to backbiting, excessive cursing, and obscene and excessive talks are not true believers. He said, four persons will give trouble to the inmates of hell. They will be running between hot water and fire and proclaim their sorrow. One of them will be such whose mouth, pus, and blood will come out he will be asked, why is this condition of yours? He will say, I used to hold obscene and evil talks and take pleasure therein, like that of cohabitation, and for that I am getting this punishment. The prophet said to Aisha, O Aisha, if obscene talk could could have taken the figure of a man, its figure would have been ugly. He said, to hold obscene talks and to make narration are two branches of Hypocrisy. Narration means to disclose secret talks, which is unlawful. It means also to make excesses in narration and to make ornamentation adding false things. The Prophet said, Obscene talks or unnecessary talks do not appertain to Islam. He who is best of all in character and conduct is best of all in Islam. Ibn Mysarah, the sage, said, the figure of a man who talks obscene things openly will be that of a dog on the Day of Judgment. Ahnaf bin Qais said, Shall I not inform you of a dangerous disease, bad conduct and obscene talks? Limit of obscene talks. Ibn Abbas said, God is shameful. He mentioned about sexual intercourse by the word touch. There are many op- obscene words which should not be said clearly, Ayaz bin Himar said, I asked, O Messenger of God, a man of my people rebukes me, but he is lower than myself. Is there any obstacle of my taking revenge on him? He said, Two rebukers are devils. They tell each other they tell each other liars and ascribe guilt to each other. The Prophet said, There is sin in rebuking a believer and there is infidelity in his murder. He said, Two rebukers remain upon their rebuke. Out of the two, sin falls on the one who rebukes first. If it falls on the rebukers, if the rebuked person exceeds the limit. The prophet said, He who rebukes his parents is cursed. In another narration, To rebuke parents is one of the greatest sins. The companions asked, O messenger of God, is there such a man who rebukes his parents? He said, he rebukes the parents of another. The latter also rebukes his parents and this amounts to rebuking his own parents. Number eight, curse. Another evil of the tongue is to curse anything, be it an animal or man or a lifeless thing. This is condemned. The prophet said, a believer does not curse another. He said, don't curse another with the curse of God, with his anger or hell. Hosea said, the curse of one on another among the people falls on the people. Once, One of the Ansar women was passing riding on a camel by the side of the prophet and cursed the camel. The Prophet said, take down the load from the camel and drive it to the party as it is cursed. He said, I am as if looking towards the camel which was walking to end from amongst the people. Nobody approached it. Abu Darda said, if anybody curses a land, it says, curse of God be upon the person who is the greatest sinner amongst us. Abu Bakr was cursing one of his maid servants. The Prophet heard it and said, "O Abu Bakr, a man of truth and a curser together, it can never occur." By the law of the Kaaba, he repeated it twice and thrice. Abu Bakr said, "Set the free, set free the slave." He then came to the Prophet and said, "I will do it no more." The Prophet said, "The cursers will not be intercessors or witnesses on the day of judgment." Curse when lawful. Curse means to drive away a thing from God. This applies to things which are already distant from God, such as infidelity, oppression, etc. It is lawful to curse the unbelievers and oppressors with such words that are permitted by the Sharia. Three things are necessary for a curse. Infidelity, invo- innovation, and great sin. Each of these three things are at three different stages. The first stage is that Curse is allowed in general way. For instance, curse upon the innovators, curse upon the transgressors. The second stage is curse specially upon people, a curse upon the Jews, upon the Christians, upon the bribe-takers, upon the fornicators, upon the oppressors. The third stage is a curse upon a particular person. This is unlawful, but it is lawful to curse a person whom the Quran or the Hadith have cursed for instance, Fir'aun curse upon Abu Jahal as they die upon infidelity, but it is not allowed to curse an individual unbeliever at present as he may turn out to be a Muslim before he dies. The Prophet once said to Abu Bakr, O Abu Bakr, when you discuss about unbelievers, discuss in a general way because when you discuss about an individual unbeliever, His children will surely be enraged for their parents, so prevent the people from that. One, Nauman, a Muslim, drank wine for which he was whipped several times in the presence of the Prophet. One of the companions then said, Curse of God be upon you. The Prophet said, Don't be a helper of the devil in the action of your brother. In another narration, the Prophet said, Don't utter it because he loves God and his messenger. It appears then that to curse a man individually is unlawful. The Prophet said no man should tell another an unbeliever or a great transgressor if he is not so. The Prophet said if a man bears witness that another is an unbeliever it reverts on to one of them. If he is really an unbeliever he becomes so. If he is not an unbeliever, the man who calls him an unbeliever himself becomes an unbeliever. The Prophet said, I prohibit you to rebuke a Muslim or to be disobedient to a just ruler and to rebuke a dead man is heinous. The Prophet said, Don't abuse the dead as what they sent in advance to reach them. The Prophet said, Don't abuse the dead. Those who are alive are troubled for that. He said, O people, save men in respect of my companions, my brothers and my parents. Don't abuse them. O people, when a man dies, narrate his good deeds. Songs and Poetries Another harm of the tongue is songs and poetries. Good poetry is good, and bad poetry is bad. The Prophet said, It is better to fill up the belly of a man with pus than to fill it with poetry. In short, poetry is not unlawful if it does not contain evil or indecent words. As the Prophet said, there is wisdom in some poetry. The Prophet pointed, appointed the poet Hassan bin Sabbath to attack the polytheists and to praise Islam. Aisha narrated, one day the Prophet was sewing his shoes and I was seated by his side and eating bread. I noticed that sweat was coming out of his forehead and it was sparkling like jewels. He got tired and said to me, You have become tired. I said, O oh, Prophet of God, I noticed at you and saw that from your forehead sweat was coming and it was sparkling like jewels. Had the poet Abu Kabir Hazli seen you in this condition, he would have taken you as fit for poetry. The Prophet said, O oh, Aisha, what does he say? I said he composed the following two verses: Praised one is free from menses, suckling and other diseases. It seems that her face sheds lustre of lightning. The prophet kept that, kept what he had in his hand and kissed the forehead of Aisha and said, "God bless you. You have not been pleased with me in proportion to what I have been pleased with you." And the prophet divided the booties of Hunain after. The battle, he gave four camels to poet Abbas Mirdas. He went away with a protest and demanded more through poetry. Mirdas's mind was not troubled at Badr and Sage. He was satisfied with what he got at both, but he returns today with a painful heart. This is the poetry that Mirdas made up. The Prophet ordered him to be given hundred camels and asked him, do you talk by poetry he said i roam in properties like ants and they sting me like the sting of ants i can't keep but recite poetry the prophet smiled at his words and said this desert arab will never will not give up poetry till he gives up the camels of hunain number 10 laughing and jokes there is another harm of tongue laughs and jokes Basically, these are not commendable, but these are not harmful within limits. The prophet said, don't dispute with your brother and cut jokes with him. Excessive jokes and continued jokes are unlawful. If they are done continuously, they are included within sports and plays. Those sports and plays are lawful, yet to get habituated to them is condemned. Excessive jokes give rise to excessive laughter's Excessive laughter makes the heart dead and sometimes creates hatred and destroys gravity and fear. When they are necessary, they are not condemned. The prophet said, I cut jokes, but I don't say but the truth. He said, a man utters talks to raise laughter of friends, but he takes himself down to hell from heaven. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, The fear of one who laughs much is reduced. He who cuts jokes becomes light to the people. He who cuts jokes much becomes well-known. He who talks much commits much faults. He who has got little shame has got so much faults and less piety. He whose piety is less has got his heart dead. Jokes keep away a man from the next world. The Prophet said, had you known what I know, you would have wept much and laughed little. Yusuf bin Asbat said that Hassan al-Basri did not laugh for 30 years. It has been said that Abu Salama did not laugh for 40 years. Abdullah bin Ali said, you are laughing while your coffin is coming out of the building. Ibn Abbas said, He who cometh sin laughing will enter hell weeping. It is therefore condemned to be engaged in jokes and laughs. Smiling is only laudable. The Prophet used to smile only. Sayyid bin Ah told his sons, O dear sons, don't cut jokes with any honorable man except he may hate you. Don't conduct jokes with a man of dishonor except he comes daring against you. Umar bin Abdulaziz, Khalifa, said, Fear God, don't cut jokes, as it creates ill-feeling and leads Quran. It becomes difficult for you to discuss the lives of religious men. The Prophet and his companions had under their control their jokes. They did not cut jokes except with the truth. They did not give trouble thereby to anybody. They did not go to excesses therein. Minor sins turn into major sins if one is accustomed to them. If one is accustomed to lawful things, it turns also into a minor sins. Anas said the Prophet used to cut jokes with his wife. Once an old man came to the Prophet who said to her, No old man will, end, no old woman will enter paradise. The old woman was weeping. He then said to her, On that day you will not remain old. As God says, I shall create them anew and make them young. Hazrat Saeed bin Aslam said, Once Om Ayman came to the Prophet and said, My husband calls you. The Prophet said, Who is your husband? Is he not your husband who has got whiteness in his eyes? The woman said, By God, the eye of my husband is not white. The Prophet said, Is there any man who has not got whiteness in his eyes? Number eleven Ridicule Ridicule is unlawful as it gives pain to the heart of another and thus becomes and thus he becomes sorry. God says, O believers, no people shall ridicule another people. Pertinence the latter may be better than the former. No woman shall ridicule another woman. Pertinence the latter may be better than the former. Ridicule means to neglect or hold in contempt another and show his defects. It may be expressed in words and actions and also by wings and gestures. If it is done in one's absence, it amounts to backbiting. Aisha said, I ridiculed one man. The Prophet said to me, by God, I don't want to ridicule another and commit such sins. God says, Alas, what is this book which omits not little or great without counting it? 118.40 Ibn Abbas said, By way of explaining of little things, as something said by the way of ridicule, it shows that loud laughter is a great sin. The Prophet said, The door of paradise will be opened before one of those who ridicule men and he will be said, Come, come. Then he will come to be relieved of his troubles, but when he will come, it will shut up against him. He also said, don't ridicule one from whose belly wind will come out. Why should you ridicule one who is led to do so as a call of nature? The Prophet said, if a man accuses his brother for a sin from which he repented, he will not die until he himself commits that sin. So if any man ridicules one with regards to his figure, conduct, writing, action, etc., it will be unlawful. Number 12. To disque- to Disclose Secret Talks To disclose secret talks is unlawful as it gives pain to the mind of another. The Prophet said, when any man tells you something and asks you to keep a secret, it is a trust. He said, it is a trust between you. Hassan al-Basri said, It is the breach of trust if you disclose secret talks of your brother. It is said that Muawiyah held secret talks with Walid bin Utsba. He said to his father, O father, the commander of the faithful, told me a secret thing. I think that there is no fault in disclosing it to you. His father said, don't tell it to me, as he who keeps the secret talks secret keeps it under his control. When he discloses it, it goes out under the control of another. I said, "O oh, father, said, I don't want you, that you should humiliate your tongue by disclosing it. Then I informed it to the Khalifa who said, "O oh, Walid, your father freed you from a slavery of mistake. Number 13, false promise. If another man, another harm of the tongue, as it wants to make promise in haste, but it does not become possible to fulfill it always. As a result, the promise is broken. God says, O believers, fulfill promise. The Prophet said the promise is like a parent. He said promise is the kind of a debt and or greater than that. God praised Ismail a.s. about the fulfillment of his promise. He was true to his promise. 1954 Ismail one day promised Ismail one day promised to meet a man in a certain fixed place, but the man did not come there as, as he forgot what he promised. Ismail a.s. waited there for him for 22 days. When Abdullah ibn Omar was about to die, he said, A Quraysh wanted to marry my daughter. I gave him promise by God. I shall not meet with God with three hypocrisies. I bear witness to you that I shall get my daughter married to him. Abdullah bin Ali Kansa reported, I made a contract with the Prophet to feel a thing to him before his prophethood. I promised that I would take that thing to him in a certain place, but afterwards forgot. On the third day I remembered, and after going there, the Prophet was waiting for me. He said, O young man, you have given me much trouble. I am here for the past three days for you. The Prophet used to say at the time of promise, perchance, possibly, Ibn Mas'ul did not make any promises without uttering Inshallah. The Prophet said, He in whom there are three matters is a hypocrite even though he prays fast and thinks that he is a Muslim. Number one, when he speaks, he speaks falsehood. Number two, when he promises, he breaks it. Number three, when he is entrusted, he breaks it. The Prophet said, he in whom there are four things is a, pro- is a hypocrite till he gives it up. Number one, when he speaks, he speaks falsehood. Number two, when he promises, he breaks it. Number three, when he is entrusted, he breaks it. Number four, when he disputes over properties, he rebukes. Once the Prophet promised Ab- Abul Haisam that he would give him three slaves, he got three war prisoners and gave two of them to him and kept one to himself. Then his daughter, Fatima, came to him and said, Don't you find in my hand the sign of crushing of mills? The Prophet said, What will happen to my promise to Abul Haysam? Then he gave to him Abul Haysam without giving to Fatima, his own daughter. One day the Prophet was distributing the beauties of war gained in the Battle of Hunain. Then a man came and said, O Prophet of God, a thing is due to me according to your promise. He said, That is true. What Want what you wish. He wanted eighty goats and one goat man. The Prophet gave them to him and said, You have wanted little. Look, Hazrat Musa said to the woman for whose inquiry the backbone of Yusuf was found. You will get what you want. The woman said, I want that my youth be restored to me and that I live in paradise in the next world with you. She was made an example in Arabia. The prophet said, if one who has got the intention of fulfilling his promise, it will not be broken if one proves another. In another narration, when a man promises with his brother and has got the intention to fulfill it, but afterwards he is it is broken, he will not commit a sin thereby. Number 14. Falsehood Another danger of the tongue is false speaking and false oath. There are great sins and heinous faults. In the first year of migration, the prophet said, Be careful of falsehood as it is the companion of the sinners, and both will be in hell. He also said, Falsehood is the door of hypocrisy, Hasan al-Basri said, The people say that there is a difference is open and secret words and actions an entry into and going out of hypocrisy. But the sin of such hypocrisy is built on falsehood. The Prophet said, If you narrate to your brother such a narration which he believes for you, but which you do not believe for him, then it's an act of breach of trust. The Prophet said, a man is enrolled near God as a liar if he is accustomed to speaking false and false discussions. The prophet once was passing by two men. They were talking on sale of two goats and both were swearing. One of them swore By God, I will not sell it less than this price. Another said, By God, I will not give more than this price. One of them purchased the goat. Then the prophet said, The sin of one of you has become compulsory. The prophet said, falsehood reduces provision. He said, the merchants are sinners. He was asked, O prophet of God, has not God made trade lawful? He said, yes, but the trade men commit sin by false oath and speaking false. The prophet said, on the day of judgment, God will not speak with three people and not look at them. Number one, one who seeks benefit in lieu of charity. Number two, one who sells things by lies. Number three, one who lets loose his trousers with pride. He said, if any man takes an oath in the name of God and admits therein falsehood like the wing of a fly, a spot will remain in his soul up to the day of judgment. He said, God loves three people. One, one who fights standing in the row of jihad till he or his companions become victorious. Number two, one who keeps patience at the harms of his neighbor till death does not separate them both. Number three, one who prays in a corner when he stays with a party of soldiers who travel and findings a good place, takes rest or sleeps. God hates three people. Number one, tradesmen who make false oath. Number two, a proud poor man Number 3. A Man Who Gives Trouble Then the Prophet said, Alas for one, alas for one, who speaks to arouse laughter of men and speaks falsehood therein. He also said, I dreamed that a man came to me and said, Rise up. I woke up with him, and then I saw myself between two men, one standing and another seated. There was in the hand of the man standing one spear, A crooked iron of the spear was pierced through the cheek of the one sitting, and the man standing was pulling it with force. When his face came down upon his shoulder, it was pierced by another cheek, and he was pulling it till it came down to his shoulder. This continued, I asked him what is the reason. He said, this man is a great liar, Punishment in the grave will continue in such a way to the Day of Judgment. Abdullah bin Asbat said, I asked the Prophet, O Messenger of God, can a believer commit fornication? He said, yes, he can. I asked, O Messenger of God, can a believer be liar? He said, no. Then he recited the following verse. Those who do not believe in God's verses can fabricate falsehood. People who do not believe in God's verses. The prophet used to invoke, O God, purify my heart from hypocrisy, my private parts from fornication, and my tongue from falsehood. He said, God will not speak with three people, nor will he purify them, and there is grievous punishment for them. A fornicator who is old, a king who is a liar, and a beggar who is proud. He said, If God would have given me abundant wealth like the heaps of stones, I would have distributed them all amongst you. You would not have found me miser, liar, and a coward. He was speaking, leaning against a pillar. Shall I not inform you of a great sin? Be aware it is to speak falsehood. The prophet said, If a man speaks falsehood, his companion angel goes one mile away from him. The prophet said, I will stand guarantee for you for paradise if you take six things. The companion asked, what are they? Number one, let nobody amongst you tell a lie when he speaks. Number two, let him not break a promise. Number three, let him not break a trust when he is entrusted. Number four, let him control his eyesight. Number five, let him save his private parts. Number six, let him prevent his hand. The Prophet said, there are for devil, anatomy, scent and taste. Scent means falsehood, taste means anger, and anatomy, and antimony means sleep. Umar ibn al-Khattab said in a sermon, The Prophet said, standing amongst us in this place like my standing, treat well with my companions and then with those who will come after them. Thereafter, falsehood will spread so much that men will have to take an oath and they say he has not taken an oath and he will bear witness and they say he has not witnessed. The Prophet said, he who attributes to me a hadith, knowing it to be false, is one of the liars. The Prophet said, he who appropriates the property of another Muslim unjustly by taking a false oath, will meet with the Almighty God while he will be displeased with him. The Prophet rejected the evidence of a liar. The Prophet said, a Muslim man may commit other faults, but there cannot be in him cheating and falsehood. Musa, salam, a.s. asked, O Lord, who is the best to you in divine service? God said, one whose tongue does not speak falsehood whose heart does not commit sins, and whose private parts do not commit fornication. Luqman said to his son, O dear son, be careful of falsehood, as falsehood is tasteful like the meat of a sparrow, but the evil of the liar will soon be disclosed. The prophet praised truth and said, If you have got four things, nothing will harm you, even if you do not get worldly matters. Number one, speaking truth. Number two, keeping trust. Number three, good conduct. and Number four, lawful food. The Prophet said, Stick to the truth as it is connected with religion and both are in paradise. The Prophet said, I advise you to fear God and to speak the truth, to fulfill trust and to fulfill promise, to make salam and to be humble. False speaking permissible in some cases. No O oh dear readers that falsehood is not unlawful for its own sake, but is unlawful for the harm caused to the person with whom falsehood is spoken or harm to other people. Sometimes false speaking becomes compulsory. Maimon bin Mehran said, in some places false speaking is better than speaking the truth. If a man runs with the war with a sword to kill another person, who enters a house, you should say on being asked about his whereabouts, I have not seen him. This is compulsory on you to tell a lie. To save a person from an unjust oppression is compulsory. To save a person, to save him, false speaking becomes compulsory. If then the truth is spoken, a life will perish in the hands of an oppressor. To save falsehood in a battle, to compromise between two parties, and to preserve good will be, Between two co-wives, false speaking is lawful, but one should be careful of falsehood even in these cases. Umm Kulsoom said, "The Prophet did not always did not allow false speaking except in three cases. Number one, to bring compromise between two parties. Number two, at the time of war. Number three, a husband speaking a lie to his wife and the and the wife speaking a lie to her husband." The Prophet said, He who settles disputes between two parties is not a liar. He speaks good and tries for good. The Prophet said, Every lie of a man is written, but the lie to bring compromise between two Muslims is not written. One man asked the Prophet, Shall I speak a lie with my wife? He said, There is no good in a lie. He said, Repeat it. Shall I tell tell lie to her? The Prophet said, you have got no fault in it. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, if any woman dislikes her husband, she should not express it to others as habitation in a house is based on love. Man should live in love and amity in Islam. The Prophet said, every lie of a man is recorded. The lie which he speaks in war is not recorded as war astrology. As the lie which is spoken to settle matters between two contending parties is not written the lie which is spoken to settle matters between two contending parties is not written the lie which is spoken to please wife is not recorded there is sin in every falsehood but there is no sin in falsehood which benefits a Muslim or removes a harm from him the prophet said he who commits fornication shall keep it secret with secrecy of God as to disclose an obscene act is also an obscene act. So every man should sometimes save his life, property and honour, even taking recourse to falsehood. If enquiry is made to you about a secret thing of your brother Muslim, you can deny it to preserve his honour. If a man has got more than one wife, he can tell a wife, I love you more. Two things should be weighed, truth and falsehood. If harm is caused more than benefit in case of speaking the truth, it may be avoided. Words carrying dual meaning can be spoken in case of a crisis. Omar ibn al-Khattab said, A man, by uttering dual words, saves himself from falsehood. The following are the illustrations. Mutarif was summoned once by a tyrant ruler, Jiyad, he asked him why do you why have you come so late he used a word conveying dual meaning saying after going from your darbar i could not raise my side from the bed god now raised it up for me the ruler was given to understand that he was ill muaz bin jabal was tahsildar of Omar ibn al-khattab on his return from the station to office his wife asked him have you brought anything as others bring many things? He said, I could not bring anything as there was a guard with me. This means this guard means God. If any man came to inquire about Ibrahim in his house, and he did not wish to see him, he sent his maid servant to say, Inquire about him in the prostration place, that is the mosque. The Prophet said, The greatest calamity is to Calumny is to claim another as father without his own father, to say that one has seen what he has not seen, and to say someone said what he has not said. He also said he who narrates his dreams in a false manner will be asked to bind two seeds of wheat on the day of judgment, and he will never be able to do it. We will continue with backbiting, that is the 15th harm of the tongue, in the next lecture, Jazakallah khair, Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.